Your perception of things and how you approach life overall is very much influenced by your personality. The Enneagram is a popular way to examine your personality type and grow self-awareness about everything from relationships to self-care and even the dialogue you have with yourself each day. In today's episode, we're talking all about the Enneagram. What is it, where to find out what your number or type is, and how your type influences your approach to diet, physical health, and mental wellness. This is an episode we've gotten a lot of requests for, which I think is interesting. It is, and and the Enneagram is something that I've been really fascinated with for actually quite a few years now. So I'm really excited to dive a little deeper into it today, talk about how it relates to diet and health and mental wellness, but also our guest. I mean, it's awesome. She's, she's using awesome. the Enneagram in her um, practice and she works with athletes and does nutrition counseling and it's, it's really, really cool. Um, but let's tell people a little bit about the Enneagram just very quickly. We're not the experts, Jenna is, but the Enneagram is a kind of personality test. But I, I always hesitate saying that to people because there are so many personality tests out there. Oh, yeah. And for sure, I have like suggested to people that like, oh, it would be so fun if you did your Enneagram and then we could talk about it because I'm a nerd like that. And they're like, well, what is the Enneagram? And I'm like, well, it's kind of like a personality test. They're like, oh, another one right. of I those. did the Myers-Briggs or I'm exactly. a PTSD. Exactly. I, I don't know. You know, yeah. the, I can't oh, remember PTSD. what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I probably am right now. <laughs> um, anyway, but this is so much more than a personality test because I think this is one where the results you can truly use to change, to change how you react to things, to make improvements, to just get some self-awareness. Well, and to kind of just better understand yourself. And you know I love that word validation. Like to just kind of validate like, oh, this is why I might respond to things this way. And you might respond to things yeah. that way. Which is kind of cheating to say that because you and I are both the same number. So... But yeah. anyway. Well, and it's it's really interesting to see, to use it or to examine it from the perspective of how you might interact with others who are another number. Exactly. So, but and just real quickly, if you are not familiar with Enneagram or you don't know what your number is, Jenna's going to share a little bit. But we're also in these show notes. She recommends kind of her go to site where she sends everybody to take the test to figure out what they are. So we're going to share that website in our link. It is um, $12, but she says it's one of the most thorough and just kind of the best place to go to get that. So we're going to share that in our link. So you may possibly want to pause and go do that if you don't know your number, um, but then come back because you don't want to miss what she has to say. So let's tell everybody what the Enneagram is really quickly. And I think that it's important to like to know or the that, purpose of it. Right. What the purpose of it is that we this is not our definition. We pulled this from um, a woman named Susan Stabile. She is like, well, the she godmother wrote, of the Enneagram. Yeah. Um, she wrote The Road Back to You, which is really it's a book that came out several years ago that really this the Enneagram has been around for years. Um, but it really made the Enneagram come back into popularity or made it, people became much more aware of it because of her book, The Road Back to You. I actually read yesterday that it's, it, some people say it dates back to 2500 BC. Really? I know. Crazy. The purpose of the Enneagram, according to Suzanne, 
is to develop self-knowledge and learn how to recognize and disidentify with the parts of your personalities that limit us so that we can be reunited with our truest and best selves. The point of it is self-understanding and growing beyond the self-defeating dimensions of our personality, as well as improving relationships and growing compassion for others. And we felt like we needed to read these because I don't think you and I could have summed that up and said it. I know we couldn't have. No. So let's bring our guest in today. Yes, because she's going to share much more and then we're going to look at how your health and wellness and mental wellness may be influenced by your number. Exactly. Jenna Braddock is a registered dietitian. She has worked in the field of sports performance and fitness for quite a few years, uh, since 2005. We're not dating anybody here, just so we know. But throughout her career, she's worked with athletes at all levels of play and in many sports disciplines to really hone in on how they fuel their bodies well and achieve their optimal performance. Since 2016, Jenna has worked as a performance and movement coach with the Human Performance Institute, which is a Johnson & Johnson company. Um, She is one of their highly sought-after coaches. And when you hear her talk, you'll see why. I mean, her, her enthusiasm and knowledge, I mean, every time I talk to Jenna, it always comes through. Um, But the other thing is that Jenna has authored two cookbooks, Easy Cooking for Two and the High Protein Vegan Cookbook for Athletes. I think, well, when she hops on, I think she's got another one coming out pretty soon, too. So Jenna is based in St. Augustine, Florida, and I would say that uh, sports runs pretty deep in her family and I'll let her touch on that a little bit so welcome Jenna and thank you for making time to talk to us I am excited to be here ladies and it is always a joy to talk to you and this is a topic I love to share with more people so can you kind of tell us uh, I guess from your perspective kind of what the Enneagram is to you and and how you how you got into it and then to the point of incorporating in your counseling and training? Sure. Well, that, that's a big story. I will try <laughs> to make it the short, the short version. So I have always been intrigued by personality. Um, my dad is a licensed marriage and family therapist. So I grew up as a shrinks kid. So we just always had an understanding that there are levels to people and, and personality. I, I've been, done all the tests growing up. So I've always had this kind of inclination to this side of people, these deeper layers. And so when I went to college, I originally went as a psych major and a nutrition minor and took my first nutrition class and was like, oh, wait, wait, I love this. This I need to switch these. So I stayed as a psych minor, which doesn't make me qualified to do anything, but just proves that I, I love the brain and I love personality. And then early on in my career, I was working with the YMCA in my area. I helped written a curriculum for like a 12-week health and weight loss program, basically. And in this program, I began to see that people responded very differently to the exact same information, you know, good, solid information about how to live a healthier lifestyle. And their motivations were extremely different. So it was kind of like a, let me scratch my head moment for this. Fast forward maybe 10 years later, um, and I'm beginning to do a lot more one-on-one coaching and counseling, not just with athletes, but with other folks and through my work at the Human Performance Institute, and still just 
noticing, man, people respond really differently to this information about how to live healthy. Um, and they're motivated in different nuanced ways with this as well. And so a good friend of mine, it's been like four or five years or now, said, hey, I just learned about the Enneagram. I think you'd really enjoy this knowing who me and what I do. And so I read the book, The Road Back to You, which is such a great entry point for anyone who's interested. And immediately I was like, oh, yes, like this brings so much clarity to myself, which I can talk a little bit more as we go, but also gives me this really approachable system for helping to better understand the people I work with, much less just the people in my life that I wouldn't have relationships with, to your point earlier, uh, Carolyn. Um, and so I began to research it and really dig in and realize, man, there's something here for us to use as practitioners, not just in nutrition, but really in health as a whole. You know, to know someone's number and what their core motivations are, where some of their personality goes awry or is uh, a gift to them in certain ways can really help me tailor our experience working together so that you're set up to have greater success because we've tapped into the best source of motivation for you. And so for the past like three or four years, I've been doing kind of grassroots research, um, asking people who know their Enneagram number to take a set of surveys. One is on the Enneagram and eating, the other is on health and wellness behaviors, because I'm just trying to see, are there connections between a person's number and the choices that they make in health and wellness? Um, and we've had, I've had good numbers. I still feel like I need a lot more to really have solid stuff, but I've had over 700 people take the Enneagram and eating surveys, uh, which is really exciting. So it's, it's cool to see some of these things come out in that. So that leads me to today. And I will just say personally, the Enneagram has been one of the most powerful tools in my personal development and self-awareness in the past handful of years. And I am immensely grateful for what it has done for me. Yeah. And a quick overview, um, you mentioned the numbers and the kind of what motivates you, that kind of thing. Can you just give a quick overview? Each number has a different... There are nine types of, I guess, people or essences or personality styles within the Enneagram. Um, and one of the, the first things I want to say is, is often people criticize this system or, or any personality system of like, oh, don't put me in a box. Like, I, you're going to say I'm this number and then you're going to predict everything I do, which in social media is basically all you see of the memes of like, oh, if you're this number, this is what you do. This is your favorite coffee at Starbucks. And while that's fun and entertaining, that is such a, a tiny, tiny bit of what this is. Um, each of these numbers it, it deals with three basic characteristics, a basic desire, which is what brings them comfort and happiness, um, what they're really striving for to, to produce fulfillment in their life. The second thing is a basic fear, and that's what threatens that desire most intensely or most strongly. And then the, the third characteristic is what is their passion? Basically, what happens to this individual or this type of person when they're under stress? It's how we cope or how we kind of deteriorate. It's another way to think about it. So none of these things predict specific behavior you know, a seven walks into Starbucks and this is the drink that they'll they'll pick. Like <laughs> that is complete speculation by that individual. It's not that specific, but what it does do is give us a window into your soul to say, oh, well, the behavior you choose, whichever it might be, which there's thousands of options there, 
here's might be the root cause of why you made that decision. Especially if it's a, a decision or a behavior where you're like, this is either not healthy, not, de- not helpful, or maybe even destructive. So that's kind of the basis of all of them. And I'll run you through the types, which is never a quick process because there's nine of them. <laughs> so stick with me and feel free to interject at any time as we go through that. So uh, type one is the reformer. And you'll see a lot of different descriptions for each of these numbers. So I'm just using some of the classic ones referenced by the Enneagram Institute, which is one of my trusted sources. And this is someone who is principled, who's self-controlled, and who's perfectionistic. And, And ultimately, they're a champion of what is good and right. And whenever we talk about the numbers, I always love to highlight first and foremost what the gifts are of these numbers. It's really easy to get stuck or go immediately to their challenges or what we don't like about them. But each of these numbers has a gift. And to me, that's really the secret to unlocking that gift of empathy that the Enneagram really gives us for others. So they're a champion of good. And they really have this strong desire to have integrity. And their fear is about being bad, corrupt, evil, or even defective. And so sometimes under stress, they can deteriorate into real critical perfectionism. Anyone who's been in relationship with a one has probably felt that under their stress. Um, And and that can really present itself as anger. And so that gives us some real insight into when this person is experiencing that feeling or that reaction, maybe something related to that core uh, desire is being kind of pushed upon. Isn't so that's it, one. Isn't it um, the one thing I hear about ones, um, and I learned this from our colleague Reagan Jones, which is where who introduced me to the Enneagram, um, but she is a one and she, what I see associated with a one is having an inner critic, I guess more so than than most people do. And she said, I never realized other people don't have this inner critic. Mm -hmm. So is that Mm -hmm. common in most ones to have this? Yes. You know, and and not being a one, I can't necessarily speak to what that feels like, but yes, absolutely. They, ones are often dealing with this inner voice that's saying, oh, but was this the best way? Did you do it right? Did you do it with the most integrity? Is this good? And like, and I'll just, you know, full disclosure, I'm married to a one who's wonderful and he has such (laughs) integrity, (laughs) but like, and I can just see the wheels sometimes in his head of like, it doesn't matter anything else except doing what is right and good. And that is a beautiful thing. Obviously there's some pieces to that that can feel oppressive, but yes, absolutely. So am I doing this as good and as right and as perfect as I possibly can? And they're driven for that. And we'll see some similarities in other numbers like the three, but it really, that core motivation comes down to being good and being right and having integrity in it. So that's where we see a difference. So then type two is typically referred to as the helper. And these people are generous. They can be demonstrative in their expressions of generosity. People pleasing is a part of that. Sometimes possessive, but really their gift that I think they bring uh, it is described as being a hidden warrior. There are people that will see needs in others before they see them themselves and take action to help fill them, which is really a beautiful thing about them. But one of the things that can be a struggle for a two is this inner desire to be loved. 
And, and ultimately that can get kind of tied up into the need to be needed. So sometimes that, that personality of wanting to be helpful and meet needs is projected out so strong because really they ultimately want to know, well, do you love me and do you value me? Um, and so they can be over helpful uh, and do things for you that you didn't even ask them to do. And interesting here, the, the passion for a two is pride which seems like the exact opposite of what we've just described being a helper, but it ultimately comes down to if we're, we're acting out of a place of stress and not health, that I'm helping you to feel needed and loved, which is a, which is a version of pride. Um, and so again, that becomes a signpost, or I think of these, these passions as yellow lights. When we start to see these things come out of us, it becomes this warning light of, man, what's really going on here? This is not just me not feeling like you didn't say thank you enough. Like I'm using this to, to fill a gap in me as opposed to just doing it out of the gift of who I am. So that's what I think these passions are. So that's our two. Wait, Jenna. So as you're saying this, I'm thinking about somebody in my life who is a two and but it's more. But then, of course, the next step for me was I think it's important right now to highlight, and if you can, I know you can speak to this better than I can, but one, I remember when I first learned about the Enneagram, it was like one of the core rules, like the first rule of the Enneagram is not to type other people, right? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And this is one of the, the uniqueness of the Enneagram as compared to some of the other systems out there that you mentioned earlier and personality assessments is the Enneagram is really a journey. It is not a sit down, take the test, you know your number, have a good life. Knowing your number or discovering your number is really the beginning of this wonderful journey into better self-awareness. It doesn't stop there. And certainly you can stop there. And that's where a lot of the lighthearted fun stuff we see in social media is. That's really, you're not even scratching the surface. You haven't really gotten the gifts of the Enneagram. If you haven't just spent some time reading and learning, not just about your own type, but about others. So, and the interesting thing is that it takes time to know your numbers. So we all project and live out some of these numbers in all the different ways. We all have them within us. We are just more dominant in one versus the other. So in your situation, um, Barley, which I've had the same, when you see someone acting in a way that is this sort of distortion of one of the numbers or one of their, you know, their fear coming out, it, it gives you this lens of empathy to be like, oh man, I can see how maybe they're not feeling appreciated for something that they're doing. And so I can speak into that maybe more effectively. It doesn't mean they're not, they are that number, but it gives us this kind of glasses to put on for that particular behavior. And then it's a person's to discover on their own. And they say, if you're reading through the numbers and whichever one makes you like squirm or uncomfortable or even emotional is usually the one that you are. <laughs> so, cause it's exposing. And for some of it's like, oh my word, yes, you finally put words to something that I've been feeling and I didn't know what to do. So that's a great point. All right, moving on to the three, which is our achiever. These are people who are adaptable, they're excelling, they're very driven, and they're also image conscious. So, but their gift is that they're empowering motivators. They want to achieve their very best and they want you to do the same. So their core desire is about being very valuable and valuable is often attached to being successful. So these are the folks that you give them a challenge or you give them a task and they complete it, they complete it early and they over deliver. 
It's just in their DNA. It's who they are. Fantastic people. I think it's Sometimes both of us. I, <laughs> Sometimes I wish I had a little bit more three of me, to be quite honest. But what is the 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 fear here for threes is that they are worthless or without value if they do not produce or or achieve at that high level. So they have a lot of value achieved to that. And what this can come across to in that passion is sometimes deceitfulness, meaning I can walk into a room and be whatever I need to be to be the best. I can do that. And that's great, but it can also burn some people as well because it comes across as inauthentic. And I've kind of struggled with that aspect and I I don't do it to be deceitful. I do it more to, and I don't do, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just able to, okay, we're in this situation. This is how you behave. This is how you relate. This is how you talk. I'm not, it's just more, I guess, how I've been taught to act in certain situations. So I don't really feel yeah. like I'm being, and I, I can move from very different situations with different types of people mm-hmm. um, pretty well. But I, and so I struggle with that one because I'm, I'm not trying to be someone who I'm not. I'm just yeah. more adapting, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, yeah, you're adaptable. Re- you're a chameleon in a way. Yeah. yeah. And, and that can be. And that's be, a gift. And okay. it yeah, can also could- be perceived negatively. Yeah. I guess so. Mm-hmm. But see, now I would say to tie it back to mental health, like for me, when I discovered I was a three, I was like, oh, this explains why a few years ago I became very dogged in my journey to be a very authentic person. Like what you see is what you get. And the people in my close inner circle were going to have to love me for who I am or they weren't going to be able to be in my close inner circle anymore. And and that was what I realized for me was being a three really was um, that chameleon aspect is great and good and fine until you find yourself in an intimate relationship with someone who doesn't actually like who you are when you aren't that chameleon. Oh, interesting. So that's deep. deep. That might have to be like a Patreon paid episode. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail. Yes. No, no, not at all. That's very applicable. And to both of your point, remember, it is a gift. Your personality is a gift. The fact that you can go into any opportunity and be who you need to be is huge. To some of our other numbers, that is how you slowly kill them, is to make them go into multiple different situations and be somebody different. You know, so it's a gift that you have. And it's about being aware of that gift. It serves you very well in a lot of situations. But to Bartley's point as well, there's a time to be very authentic and recognize, I don't need to prove anything here with these people. I can just be. And there's disciplines that help each of our numbers learn to just be themselves without these expressions too. So I think that it's great conversation. It's a great example of how something can be positive or negative, depending on our awareness of it. All right, so let's move on to four. This is the individualist. This is someone who is expressive, often considered dramatic or maybe artistic. Um, They can come across as being self-absorbed or temperamental, but really their gift of the four is that they are meaning makers. They are able to enter any emotional environment and be present in that and to feel those things uh, that a lot of other numbers have trouble feeling. So one of the things that this can deteriorate into is self-indulgence, however, because the fear 
for a four is that they are without identity or personal significance or uniqueness. So a four is really always trying to project what makes me unique and special and different because that's just what I feel in my core. And that can come across as self-indulgence, which is once we get into health and wellness will be a real interesting topic as well. And so one of the passions for four is that they can deal with envy because again, it, these come across as a little different than the, the typical definition in that I'm not unique enough. You must, maybe you have what is unique. So I'm going to take that on and make it as unique about me as possible. Um, and this can be something I'll just, as a spoiler, can come into health and wellness and nutrition. These are people who sometimes I see are like, well, that diet's not good enough. I need something more unique, more special. I need this crazy food in my diet or every meal needs to be this, you know, affair of grandness because I just, I need to express this about me. Um, and so that can be a great, wonderful thing. Like how fun. These are the people that throw amazing dinner parties, right? And with themes and all the things, but it can also be a lot to bear on a daily basis when someone just doesn't innately know you are special and unique because you are you. And period, you don't need to do anything to be that. So that's our four. Moving on to the five, this is the investigator. So this is someone who's very perceptive. They're innovative. They have a sense of secretiveness about them. Uh, and they can actually be isolated from others. They're, they're not tend to be the ones that need very opposite to the three can walk into any room and, and be fine. These are the people that are going to be more of like our wallflowers. Not that that's always the case, but that is something that is commonly associated with them. And so they have a strong desire to be competent. And really their gift is that they are sound counsel. These are the people you go to for wisdom who have read all the things and, and really listen well and give you sound advice. So that's wonderful about them. But their fear is connected to being incompetent, incapable, or useless. So a lot of times they per, really pursue knowledge and really like, like a sponge taking in all the knowledge or experience they can so that they feel very confident. And that can turn into their passion, which is avarice, which is a form of like uh, self-investment, like over self-indulgence in this way of like, I just need all the information. Um, and oftentimes fives are seen as people who have a limited reserve of energy and they're very aware of that reserve. And so they make decisions based on how much energy they have to give. So if they've kind of met their quota of how much energy they have to spend on others, they'll retreat and they'll go into, you know, um, introverted expressions, which can come across as like, oh, do you not care? Like, hello, what's going on in there? And it's really because they need an energy recharge. I do um, kind of love that about a five though. Like, I think that that is... I just think it's very admirable. And I'm, I mean, at, when we move into the health and wellness part, I'm really curious about how that kind of expresses itself there. And there's, there's always a gift and a challenge with each of those, those expressions for sure. All right. So into the six, which is our loyalist. This is someone who is engaging, who's very responsible, but they can also be anxious and sometimes suspicious. Their gift is that they're trusted interrogators. So we talked about how the one has an inner critic. Six are described as having like an inner choir of critics, multiple voices, always saying, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Did you think about this? This could go wrong, et cetera. 
Um, and so their desire really is linked to the one, the desire to be secure. That's really what they're looking for. Am I secure? Am I making good choices? Is this going to lead to safety and more security? And the fear then is that they might be left without support or guidance to achieve that security. And so because of that, they can really um, become strongly attached to certain beliefs that have created security in the past, almost in a dogmatic way that can be difficult for other people. Um, and so their passion is really fear. These are some, and especially on the mental health side, this can be very helpful to know about yourself, is that they deal with a lot of fear based on all these critics in their head saying, well, don't forget about this. What about this? Do you think about this? This could go wrong. This could go wrong. Do you have a plan for that? What is the right way to do about that? And so there's kind of a disconnect between trusting themselves to know what to do in a situation. And that's a real opportunity for, for, for growth, especially in health and wellness as well, because these are the folks that are always like, well, what did you do? How did you lose weight? Okay, I'll read that book. This celebrity did that. Let me try that. Let me do this. Let me do that. When ultimately we want to teach people how to trust themselves. And so that's a real opportunity for growth for a sixth. And I'm a wing six, so I can speak a little bit to what all those voices are like. I can understand that for sure. All right, then type seven, this is the enthusiast, and this is my dominant number. So if we have any sevens out there, virtual high five, you are my people. So we are engaging, or I'm sorry, wrong one. We are spontaneous, we are versatile, we are acquisitive, and we are sometimes scattered. Our gift is that we are illuminators of pos possibility. We see the glass is half full all the time. And we are ready to talk about our next adventure or what is next that's super exciting. So really, this is linked to a desire to be happy, which we would say, you know, everybody wants to be happy, right? But no, we are truly driven by joy and happiness to the extent that we kind of don't even want to talk about or look about things that are unhappy or sad, like, okay, that's great. What's next? <laughs> uh, and so that can actually deteriorate into frenetic escapism. And our passion is gluttony. And it's not just gluttony, like, give me all the food, although that can certainly be part of it. But it's more like, what's the next thing that I can acquire or do to bring joy and happiness? You know, and so my personal mental health through the pandemic was really coming to grips with, for me, what I was being challenged with, is that there was nothing to look forward to. I mean, every every day was on repeat, uh, you know, with work and being at home, kids, you know, during that time. And it was very challenging because I was like, where's, where's my next thing? And I had to sit in some sadness for a long time, which if you want to, you know, kill a seven softly, you make them sit in sadness for a long time. So I had to grow in that um, because that can be a place of real immaturity for us, to be quite honest. So that's the seven. Let's move to the eight. We're almost there. Hang in there. We got the challenger. Uh, this is one of my favorite numbers. These are people that are self-confident. They're decisive. They're willful. And they're also confrontational. They actually love confrontational. It's a sign of like connection for them. And their gift is that they're the defenders of justice. And I just love that about them. And their desire and motivation is connected to protecting themselves. Um, and it, it has a lot to do with the story of their life and what they've experienced in one way or another. 
Um, and But that can really deteriorate into a constant fighting or someone who's just always on edge, ready to kind of throw the next either proverbial punch or physical punch sometimes to fight for what's right. And their passion is lust. And it's lust for a need for intensity, control, and self-extension. Like, you didn't ask for my opinion, but I'm going to give it to you because that's what you need to know kind of situation. Um, but they're wonderful decision makers, which is something I certainly appreciate. All right, type nine, our last one. This is the peacemaker. And this is the one that is said to have the most conglomeration of all the numbers coming together. If you look at the, the visual of the Enneagram, it's the number right at the top. Um, and this is someone who's receptive, reassuring. They can be complacent and resigned, but really their gift is that they're secret gurus. They really are good at seeing what everyone else needs, what's going on and reading a room in that sense. And their greatest desire is to be at peace. And that means in their relationships with people at peace, in their environment at peace, Peace. And the reason why they can be complacent is because they will forego what they want or need in order to keep the peace amongst the masses. So that can deteriorate sometimes into stubborn ne neglectfulness. Sometimes they're described as sloths, but it's not necessarily people that don't get out of their pajamas and stay on the couch. It's more people who are not as motivated to take action for themselves because they're desiring to keep peace in their environment, it's which is like, very helpful for us to know in health and wellness. Kind of like self-sacrifice to keep everything going yeah. and peaceful. Okay. Yeah. And again, we all have these pieces within us. I'm sure we've all experienced that in one way or the other. This is just the common playbook for the type nine. So they really fear a loss of connection and fragmentation. So anytime that a decision for them uh, could cause disconnection with someone, that's a price they're not willing to necessarily pay. So this is really helpful when we're looking at making changes in how you eat or, or your healthy lifestyle for a nine to say, okay, let's consider how this could affect the other people in your life. And let's talk that through. And let's see if this is like a legitimate thing, or maybe just something that you think might be a thing, but it's actually not going to, to hurt at all. So those are powerful conversations that we can have. So ultimately to wrap it up, one of the easiest ways I see these different numbers is that they are like operating systems. We all have different operating systems in our brain. It's what you were born with or what is developed over time. Most of the experts say that this is occurring over your childhood as you go into adulthood, your operating system is developing. And so when we can kind of understand that you and I have different operating systems, we are going to see the same thing completely differently because we're running different software. It helps us be able to say, oh, well, now I can understand why you would see it this way or why you would make that choice and why I would make this choice. So long description. It takes a while, but it's such good stuff. I feel like you you covered that so much more succinctly than I anticipated. So bravo for yeah. that. <laughs> and so Jenna, that was a great overview. Like you said, Bradley, can you show us or explain to us how you were using that from a nutrition and diet and health perspective? I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. I can guess it might be good for some of these numbers, but, but you really seem to have such a, such a great grasp on it. So I'd love to hear, you know, just your thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll take you through some of my favorite numbers and, and how it relates to health and wellness, meaning that to me, they have some of the most obvious connections to how the Enneagram can help 
improve their experience with behavior change or health and wellness. Um, and so one of the things though, first I'll say is just back to my research. So I've, I've been just asking people who know their number, which I'd love for anyone listening who knows their number to participate. And we'll make those links available. Just what is, what are their behaviors like? Um, I asked them about if they've dieted in the past. I've asked them if that was a positive, negative, neutral experience. I asked them about their grocery shopping habits. I asked them, how do they feel about vegetables and how many vegetables do they actually eat? How motivated are they? to produce, to do a healthy lifestyle, et cetera. So some of my insights I'm about to offer come from that, as well as just understanding the numbers and where those connections and, you know, almost 17 years of experience in counseling people too, and kind of back processing some of this as well. So um, I'm going to start backwards this time because we always seem to start um, at one. And so just to give the nines a little love, I'm going to start backwards time. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the nines earlier. Um, and so I'll just say real briefly to make it more succinct is that one of the challenges for nines is they can be disengaged with their own health. If other areas of their life do not feel in harmony or balance. So this might be someone who knows they need to lower their cholesterol, or they know they need to exercise, like they know these things, but they just can't quite connect with the motivation to do it because something else in their life is out of whack. Or just to speculate maybe over that COVID quarantine experience, life is out of balance, life is in disarray. How can I even think about doing something it for myself in this in this situation? So that might be one of their barriers to really feeling motivated to change. Um, I ask people, if you were given a challenge in health and wellness, how motivated would you be? And so 30% of nine said that they were motivated by a challenge, but they're going to be slow to take action. So it's something to have a lot of patience with if you're a practitioner working with them, or even just yourself, like you're not, you may not be the person that like gets, you know, X, Y, and Z completed week one, what's next, it's going to be a process and a journey for you. And what I think is a pathway for growth to them um, is to really self coach yourself to tap into the gifts of the different numbers to help you take a better approach to, to action uh, for your health. So it might be even just the mental coaching of like, okay, Right now, I don't feel like doing this. I'm not motivated to do this, but I'm going to tap into a little bit of three within me and I'm going to go try to do this to the best of my ability. You know, so using that kind of language with yourself is helpful. Check it off that list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, and for you guys who are list checkers, so other numbers, you know, lists just really don't do much for them. You know, and for you guys, you're probably like, what do you mean? You know, but for someone else, it's like, I don't know. I just, I don't need a list. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let me go to the six then as well. We talked a little bit about them earlier. So this is someone who really needs outside validation to feel like they're making the right choices to make them feel secure. So they might be looking to all the answers that are out there in the world, which there are many, to living a healthy lifestyle. So I've read this and I've listened to this video and I follow this person and ah, I don't know what to do. They might be paralyzed because of so much information. And so in working with a six as a practitioner, or even if you're self-coaching, it is important to constantly remind yourself that you are the expert on you. 
you know, we can take this outside information, but it, it does nothing if we don't actually choose what's going to work and apply for you. So be aware when you're seeking assurance too much from others instead of trusting your own gut and learning what your body needs. And there's going to be times for a six where it's very uncomfortable to say, this is what I need to do, even though all these people are doing this, or I heard this, or what's the latest this, like, I'm going to do this because this is what I know I need. And that's a really empowering moment for growth for uh, a six. So let's talk about a five now, because Briley, you said you're really interested in that. So these are our people who are very aware of their energy expenditure and very aware of how much they need to invest back in with them. So these are also folks who really seek information. They love filling their mind with information. So these are probably people as a speculation who know a lot about health and fitness and wellness, if they're interested in this topic. And they actually may not seek much help because they feel like they need to build their own knowledge base to really feel competent. And so as a practitioner working with someone like this in this way, I I would be very aware of honoring their knowledge base and not saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. No, actually working and partnering with them in that knowledge to say, okay, well, let's try some of these things that you have learned about that are important to you. Um, 31% of fives said that dieting was an all around negative experience for them. Um, and, and I define, uh, dieting as, um, restriction of a food or food group. And while we as dietitians would say, oh yeah, well, dieting is the worst. Of course it's negative. Actually in other numbers, we see people who report in large numbers, dieting was very positive for me or it was positive at the time and neutral to me now. Whereas most of five says it was an all around bad experience. So for fives, I think it's really important for them to remember that uh, it is okay to not know everything about fitness, health, and wellness. Like it's okay, no one knows it all. And you may never not know. And seeking help doesn't mean you're not competent. Um, It just means you're getting that outside perspective to help you. And you want to look for a trusted person and building trust with a five is a really important concept here. And then also helping a five recognize what, what is wise energy expenditure? What is the most priority in your life? If, if health and wellness needs a little bit more of your energy, let's try to do an accurate assessment of where could we give a little bit in order to make that happen for them? Because that can be really overwhelming to think that they may not have what they need for their everyday life. Gosh, this is fascinating. All right. All right. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. All right, do you want me to do a two as our last one together? Because I I love twos. <laughs> and um, this is a lot, again, this is a speculation, but just in my practice and experience, I get a lot of middle-aged twos, women, who have spent their life helping others. And now they're in a place where their health is not in a great position or their bodies are changing. They're going through menopause and they're just like what do I do? Like help. I've never really taken care of myself before. I don't, I'm not quite sure what to do. And so as you begin to make changes or discuss different possibilities for behavior change, what can be a challenge for them is how those changes or behaviors are going to impact the people they love. Well, we go and we go out to dinner every Friday night and we do this, or my family always gets together and we do this. So if they're going to feel derailed if any of their choices are negatively impacting their loved ones. And here's the kicker, whether that is reality or not, 
a lot of times I see two twos struggle with this. Oh, this might, this might negatively impact this environment. You know, that's a technical way of saying it. They may not actually be saying that. And so what I can do is help them walk through, well, is that really reality? Is that really going to negatively impact that relationship or that, that's that person? And we can walk through that. And sometimes you can come to a place where it's like, oh, no, I'm making that up. It's really not that big of a deal. I can go for a walk in the morning for 30 minutes and everything's going to be fine, (laughs) you know, or whatever it might be. So they really struggle with feeling selfish. So it's part of reframing that taking care of yourself is not necessarily selfish. uh, And it is selfish in some degree, but it's a positive form of it. Um, And then how doing these things can better improve your relationships with others. They make you a better helper. They give you more clarity to really live out that gift as opposed to, um, you know, hindering them. Some other interesting things about threes is that 29% of them, which is one of the largest group, it's the largest group uh, percentage for this reported, they prefer health and accountability and living a healthy lifestyle. And 21% of them said they're motivated by a group setting with a positive group of people. So those are also real advantages that a two can use when they know they're showing up to community and there's other people that are going to count on them to be there. That's a great way to motivate a two. Oh, they need me to be there. And maybe they, I need you to be there too. You know, so there's mutual give and take within that relationship as well. So that can be really important. Whereas others of our numbers, like a one, they're very intrinsically motivated. Their largest group said, I'm self-motivated to live a healthy lifestyle and I prefer to do it on my own. You know, so we'll see that those can be advantages to using those to pursuing health and wellness with much greater success. That's fascinating. Jenna, can you tell us real quickly, if someone wants to delve deeper into their number, are there, is there a workbook or is there a program or, or what do you recommend to, you know, try to get a little deeper in the knowledge, in their knowledge um, mm-hmm. or how to use their number and their positives and negatives? Well, and so this is where I will encourage everyone, no matter their number, to really tap into the energy of a five, okay? Because I think where people like get lost with the Enneagram is that there's not like this, okay, here's our program, week one, week two, week three, which are ones and threes and even eights might like love, like, give me the program. It is more of this open-ended journey. So I encourage you, if you're really interested in this, is... Start with the READY test, the R-H-E-T-I test by the Enneagram Institute is a validated Enneagram test. It is $12, which is extremely affordable for any type of personality assessment. And then you get a really nice uh, write-up after that, like multiple pages describing your particular number, which I think is a really helpful tool. And then I encourage you to read um, reputable authors. So one of my books is The Wisdom of the Enneagram. This is if you really want to dive in. Uh, this is by the Enneagram Institute, the original two guys that started that. A couple of my other favorites are Suzanne Stabile, who you mentioned. She's got a great podcast. Chris Hewerts is another great Enneagram scholar and writer. He's got a great um, podcast called Enneagram Mapmakers. He's written a book called The Wisdom of the Enneagram, which I think is like a, a Enneagram 2.0. It's a, it's a great read. It's easy to read. And it really takes you deeper into understanding, okay, I know my number. I get these basic components. Now what? I think that is a great book to take you into. Here's what we do with this. Here is how you grow. 
and use the ideogram as a really powerful tool in your life. So that would be my suggestion. And then just, it's open-ended. We don't, there's really like no destination here. Like we are now proficient in the Enneagram. No, it's just like, let's always learn in conversations with friends. You know your number? Great, let's talk about it. What have you learned? Like that helps me understand where you're coming from as well. And then the other thing I can bring up that you brought up earlier, Carolyn, if you don't mind, is just the mistyping that can happen. Um, And how, because the Enneagram is a journey, because it's very fluid, because it takes you into deeper kind of realms of understanding yourself, it's not that uncommon to get to a place where you might be like, man, I thought I was this number, but I think I'm actually this number. And that doesn't mean you're broke or the system failed you. No, it just means you've gotten to kind of a deeper level of who you are. And a lot of us project what we want to be. Uh, I want to be this number. This is, this is who I want to be. But if I really dig down deeper, I think I'm actually this. You know, and for me, like we have wing numbers. So whichever number you are, you can wing to either the left or right of you. So as a seven, I could wing six or eight. That means your second dominant type. And I really, for the longest time, I did not know which number I was a wing to. And like after multiple years of study, I realized, oh my word, I've got a six. I have a strong wing six. I have a lot of voices in my head that produce a lot of fear about a lot of irrational things, you know? And that has been another wave of just deeper understanding for myself as I use this tool to really be better in touch with who I am, who who I'm created to be, and how I want to live as a full expression of who I am in my relationships. So just know that it's, it's not a perfection thing, especially my ones out there. It's not about perfection. It's just a journey. And you can always gain by, by reading more, listening more, or digging a little bit deeper. Jenna, before we let you go, will you please tell us A, where listeners can find you, and B, make sure to touch on if they want to take the assessment that you're offering, where they can go. Because I would love to talk to you in another you know, year and hear that you've doubled that number. You can find me online. I'm at jennabraddock.com is my website and it's called Make Healthy Easy. And I really believe that personality is a part of our health journey that makes living healthier easy. Um, And within that, if you go to jennabraddock.com forward slash Enneagram, you will find all this information about my journey with the Enneagram, how I'm investigating this tool and using it. And that's where you will find all of the surveys. So there are surveys for the Enneagram and eating and also the Enneagram and exercise. And you will just take the ones for your number and they're listed there. So you guys would find the the Enneagram three surveys and just take those. And I greatly appreciate it. Please share that. It is completely grassroots. Maybe one day you know, somebody with money will fund it, but it's literally just me and my Google Sheets. And so I'm really excited and hope to eventually turn that into really powerful information for people. You can also find me on Instagram at make.healthy.easy. And then in the sports world, I own a website called offseasonathlete.com. And that is uh, particularly geared for team athletes and their parents to have safe and effective training information. And you can find um, me on social media at Offseason Athlete as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. You're welcome. It's so much fun to talk about. And as they, as all the Enneagram memes say, once you learn about the Enneagram and know your number, you're that person in the room like, 
who knows their Enneagram number? Who knows yes. their Enneagram number? Who wants to talk to me about it? And that's a wonderful thing. Find your people and talk about it. But we're not supposed to judge people and decide what number they are. Right. We have exactly. to wait till they come to us and share it. <laughs> that's going to be real hard yes. for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to let you go. Yeah, we know you thank to you. go. We thank you, Jenna. Appreciate it. We'll follow up Thanks, with emails guys. and when it'll air and that kind of stuff. Okay. Awesome. This is fun. And I'm happy to follow up with another one as well. If we want to go deeper into a particular area we touched on. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye Jenna. So not only was that really, really insightful, but also anytime I talk to Jenna, especially in person, I always am like, drawn to that seven in her like she's so enthusiastic and it's just it's so motivating to me I know I think I need to find some more sevens to be around I I know what you're saying yeah you're just excited to be with her well she's so excited and motivated and you know I also was thinking about how Les our podcast producer is also a seven (sighs) and we love coming in here and recording with him that's so true he's also super talented but um So in this podcast or in the interview with Jenna, we didn't overtly talk about mental health and its relationship to the Enneagram. No, we didn't. But I do feel like that was the kind of big underlying theme of what the Enneagram can help you gain is some growth through self-awareness. Um, and through just learning about the other numbers, um, I know has made me, um, just have a lot more empathy, um, in dealing with people who are other numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me too, in addition to the empathy, I also have the like, oh, okay. I see why they approach that a little differently than I do, you know, or, um, for those that I'm really close to in my life and, and even hearing Jenna talk about, kind of how they approach their health and wellness and mm-hmm. diet and that sort of thing. I'm like, oh, okay, this is actually how I could support some of those people. Like, you know, one of the things she was talking about with the nines, right, about how if the nines have some other instability going on in their life, they might not focus on themselves, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I have a very good friend who's a nine, and I'm thinking like, oh, this explains why we started this walking program together and we only did it once and then we bailed twice and we've never picked it back up because she's got a lot going on in her life right now and she's a nine. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. I get yeah. it. I'm not offended anymore. Well, and it makes me see coming at it from a, as being a three, if I were to be working with a two, um, as she talked about, they're the caretakers and they take care of others. And even if their thought is not logical, but it might, you know, hurt someone's feelings or, you know, they can't do, they can't exercise or they can't cook this food because of someone in their household or something like that. Um, You know, from a three perspective, I'm just like, we got to, you know, doesn't matter. We got to be productive. We need to do this behavior. And so it's so enlightening for me to realize, you know, to understand where that's coming from, from where their hesitancy is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did look a little bit into Enneagram and mental health. Like, is there any um, association with different numbers and anxiety or depression or any other type of mental illnesses? Um, 
I mean, mostly from just a curiosity standpoint, right? And of course, because that's something that we focus on in the podcast. And the... There were only a handful. There were only a handful of studies. None of them correlated any number with any mental illness, which as Jenna explained it more and more, um, the, like the, the purpose of the Enneagram, which was, is probably Mm -hmm. something I have not yet spent much time on. I was like, oh, okay, well that makes makes sense sense. why we didn't find anything. Right. Yeah. But I think the ones that we did see, I think the overarching kind of theme or takeaway was that people got self-awareness from it and that somehow made an improvement in whatever the study was measuring or looking at. Right, right. Like the one in particular that we looked at, it was in school-aged girls, high school-aged girls, and it was saying that really just them going through the exercise of the Enneagram and knowing their Enneagram number helped them – you know, manage slash reduce anxiety. Uh-huh. And also, as a mother of two daughters, it boosted their self-esteem. Yeah. And I, that, I was excited, right, as a, as a mom of two daughters. But also, that goes back to what you've been saying, is that it's very much about, like, when you can cultivate that self-awareness, there's less pressure. Yeah, well, and kind of as that study pointed out, when it was wrapping up, is, you know, the key to effectively treating something like anxiety is really knowing the root cause of where that, of what's causing the tension in your life that's creating that anxiety. Right. What's fueling it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And this is really one tool that I think could be helpful for doing that. And I know there are therapists and counselors that are using the Enneagram in their practice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things we didn't mention with Jenna um, just for any of those like naysayers out there, is that there are elements of the Enneagram that are controversial. There are there are, there are some components of it that not everybody agrees on, um, and you know there are therapists who are using it in their practice, but then there are others who, you know, that's not it's not something that they would use exclusively. Mm-hmm. We're gonna post all the links in our show notes, so everything that Jenna mentioned including the the website for the test, will be listed there. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye! Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.